Hey there, this is Jason and Paul, and we encourage you to follow us on Instagram at stateofloveandtrust underscore pod, where we can continue the conversation with you. Thanks for listening. And now, let's get to the show. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of The State of Love and Trust. It's a Pearl Jam podcast, and I'm one of your two hosts, Jason Carapesi, and alongside me, as always, is... Paul Gilleary. Paul, we can't jib-jab too long, but we have to get out of out of, out of our out of our systems the usual plea to our listeners. What is that? Please do not forget to feed the algorithm down under today. Or up over. Or we, up we, over. We, 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 we kind of teased. We kind of teased. But yes, if you could get on your Spotify. This is the last page of Diary of a Wombat, by the way. You turn the page and it says <laughs> rate, review, and subscribe to State of Love and Trust. Is that what it the says? The podcast with Paul and Jason. It is. Okay. I'm telling you. Okay. Okay. All I, don't have any, I don't have any cheeky Australian references besides <laughs> things that would make me seem like a real touring American. Like I look like right now. Let's go. Let's keep going. Okay. Okay. We, we've buried the lead long enough. You can subscribe and, and rate and review later. But right now, we are going to dive into the first of what I hope to be a 192-part series, which is Fan Roundtable from Around the Globe. And we started to start off with arguably the greatest country of Pearl Jam fans outside of the United States, maybe even better than the United States. Who the hell knows? Because they get them once every eight years, essentially. And that is Australia, my friends. And uh, we've got a bevy of people here. I just made a pun. You don't realize I've made a pun yet, but I've made a pun. Uh, we have seven people here, seven people from Australia. And I will go around the horn here. And if I butcher your name, I, I apologize. Jason Milsom from Hobart. Paul Bevis from uh, just outside of Sydney. Uh, Nikki Stella from Melbourne. Jorge Lobos from, uh, from outside of Sydney as well, and uh, Brad Arendale from Melbourne, and Vicky Nash from Hobart as well. How are we all doing? Awesome. Excellent. How are you good. doing? <laughs> really good. Real good. We already discussed welcome, the weather. all of you. No, we're not going to discuss <laughs> the weather. We're going to discuss lots and lots of Pearl Jam, but welcome to the State of Love and Trust. It is honestly a privilege and an honor to have all of you here. Jason and I, we've been talking about doing this for a while, actually, and I'm very excited to, uh, to, to kick off this inaugural roundtable with all of you. And I'm glad that Bev is drinking a beverage. I know it's only 3 o'clock in the afternoon where you guys are right now taping, but get a tall cup. Co- oh, there we go. Weekend. It's, well, five hey, o'clock, go. it's 5 o'clock somewhere in the world, boys, That's so right. why not? <laughs> oh, so um, <laughs> drink them if you can. Oh, Brad, get in. There you go. <laughs> Head into the fridge. I'll, you'll have to see it. Well, you know, uh, drink them if you There's got them. If you got them, whatever you got to do. Uh, here we are to talk Pearl Jam, and um, let's just kick things off. Let's. Uh, we'll go around the horn because this is a little bit of a more personal question, and I'm going to start with Jorge because you're in the top left corner of my Let's Zoom go. screen. <laughs> How did you get into Pearl Jam? Oh, I can. I've got two two close friends to thank for that. I was a slightly a late bloomer. They were listening to, uh, I guess, Ten and uh, Verses and Vitalogy. I was still listening to uh, maybe rap or hip hop music at the time, and um, they were persistent. They would persistently play Pearl Jam in the car, and I didn't have a car, so I had no choice but to sit with them 
and listen to this this rock music. And uh, it didn't take take long for for me to get hooked. And I um have been obsessed ever since. I've surpassed their obsession, and uh, yeah, that's how I got into it. That would have been ninety ninety six. Vicky, you're up. Um, so Jorge said he was a late bloomer. Um, I might be a bit younger. Um, but I got into Pearl Jam in high school, so about 2000, 2001. Um, and that was just the influence of my older brother. Um, or that's the story he likes to tell anyway. Um, our, our listeners can't see. You have some outstanding posters behind you, Vicky. Yeah, yeah. This um, my study has a lot of posters. The really good ones go up the stairs, so you can't see them. Um, but all the you know Pearl Jam twenty ones and all of those, they're all, all climbing the stairs. Um, and yeah, a few Australian ones behind me. Yeah, it looks like some Ames Brothers uh, concert posters I see back there. Mm. Fantastic, exciting yeah. stuff. And Jorge and I both have the same kangaroo behind us. Oh, you do actually? Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Fantastic. Good call. Bev, what do you guys? Is that an O three behind you? Yeah, that's uh, that's the Sydney O uh, three, uh, my first concert that I went to actually. But um, I, I got into Pearl Jam. Uh, I was I'm a drummer myself, and at high school, uh, a couple of my mates were like, "Hey, you want to? We're going to play some songs. You got to learn this song. You got to learn this song." And I was like, "Oh, what song is it?" And they said, "You know, have you heard this song called Black?" Um, and I hadn't. And then I. Put, I borrowed 10 and then I was like, I know these songs. I've heard these on radio. <laughs> and then I was sort of like, uh, yeah, it's cool. It's cool. But I, I, I wonder what they've just released recently. And it turned out to be um, No Code. And so to sort of go from 10 sound and, and the first sort of sound that I got into was actually No Code. Two, two different uh, drummers. Yeah. And uh, and Jack became my favourite drummer. So I was, That was my uh, follow-up, Beth, was who, who's your favourite <laughs> drummer? Yeah. Uh, yeah, Viva La Jack all the way. But um, – yeah, no, I, I I'd listened to No Code and it blew me away, and and then um, I think yeah, it was only a couple of years later that uh, Yield came out, so my dad bought it for me from a closing down CD sale, and I was hooked. I was done. Nikki, talk to me. I got into Pearl Jam in October '93 because that was when I discovered the radio station Triple J, yeah, which is like a nationwide um, station we have here that used to be very cool a long time ago um and that week versus was their feature album of the week and so yeah that was it for me i was done after that and then i think i bought the go cast single was the first thing i bought <laughs> and um which i still have and um yeah life's never been the same since <laughs> we just talked about that single last week didn't we jason um the, the, the b-sides on that single we might have. Yeah. It's, they all blend together, guys. I got to tell you right now. The, the live version of Alone was off there. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Amazing. Well, a, a favorite song of ours on the show. Jason, to. talk to me. Uh, yeah. So, first got into PJ around about 93. Um, saw him for the first time, I think, it was in Perth in 98. So, uh, yeah, been a fan for a little while. <laughs> Brad. Uh, yeah, S- similar to, to Nikki, uh, Triple J were all over Pearl Jam and was awesome. And that's when I was discovering alternative music and Guns N' Roses were kind of like the gateway drug into that kind of rock stuff. I listened to a lot of crap at the beginning of the early 90s. The <laughs> fine crap. Imagine. 
Uh, vanilla ice, empty hammer, all that crap. Yeah, like it was just yeah. And then and then the gun is so so uh, heavily, but but Pearl Jam just spoke to me. You know, no one in particular like introduced me to them. And I had a friend that actually gave me the um, Atlanta recording the next year in '94, and um, that just it just went off from there. And then saw them the next year in '95. So yeah. I'm probably like the last of my friends that are still into them. And, and that's, that's kind of like the way Triple J's gone as well. Triple J has kind of abandoned Pearl Jam over the years. And, um, but yeah, still, still have they, have they abandoned rock and roll? Because there's a few stations that yeah. used to be pillars of rock and roll in this country. And they're, yeah, they're like yeah. 21, was it 21 guns or 21 salutes or what's the name of that song? Or that, that band 21 uh, machines. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's no, it's, it's definitely not the same. And if you look back, like with alternative music and Triple J were championing that, and you know those pre-internet days, so we were just getting it from there, um, and, and on the TV sometimes. But um, yeah, definitely it took over this sort of commercial rock station. What's called Triple M here kind of took over Pearl Jam and then broadcast a concert. I remember in two thousand and three, and that was like okay, Triple J have, have left them now. That's it's, it's now more of a commercial thing, but that's alright. Surely you guys have uh, TV or radio stations that aren't just three of the same letters in a row, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We've I assume. Don't you have an ABC, Australian Broadcasting Company? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, there's one. So, so what you all just shared is a perfect segue, I think. You talked a lot about your earliest memories of the band and, and uh, the albums that serve as entry points into their music for you. Very curious, though, because a lot of the things that Jason and I talk about are just how iconic some of those shows were down where you're at those tours in 95, 98, 2006, even just some fantastic set lists, some outstanding shows. Uh, I'm curious, love to hear from you all just a little bit about that live experience. How many shows you've been to maybe one of your favorite live memories. Uh, if you were fortunate enough to go to any of those shows, I, I certainly know if any of you have that I'm dripping with envy right now because <laughs> the, the, I listen to those boots all the time. Yeah. Um, if I might, I, I know I just went last, but I'll go first if that's okay as well. Um, yeah, 95 was a wild experience. I was a pretty sheltered kind of kid. You know, it was an all boys school. I just had my head down just in academics and it was, it was, it was shit. But um, going to the Pearl Jam concert was wild, man. It was just incredible. And my memories of it, I remember I went to the first show here in Melbourne and um, during Go, everyone piled from the seats up into the higher levels they just came down onto the floor and the floor expanded and you can see it kind of on youtube a bit but <clears throat> it was just wild and then the last song they grow up on the drums and then the next night which was the radio broadcast night in 95 um he was on the drums again and then the following night you know the saturday was that one where they all were i didn't go because i was like i said sheltered kid and i didn't know what was going on but you know thousands of people Rush the barricades and and at the My Music Bowl and and um, storm the concert there. So the scenes like here in Melbourne and around Australia were were crazy. Um, there's just nothing like it. I don't I think you know maybe since the Beatles, <laughs> nothing's been as crazy <laughs> as um, the Australia like when Pearl Jam visited for the first time. Um, but then in '98, I made sure I went to a few more shows and I was front row. Um, and I was just thinking before we came on, like one of my favorite memories was the '98 show that is the boot that circulated, um, you know, that was made into an official boot. But yeah. um, night three. Yeah, yeah, night three, which um, when you can sort of, when they do that slow jam on porch and then they extend it and that jam is just phenomenal with Mike, the, the stuff he does on that. It's probably maybe my favourite version of porch. 
But when Ed calls for the house lights, I remember that moment because the house lights came on right at the sort of crescendo of the song, the climax of the song, and everyone just, it was just insane. That's one of my favourite memories. So the early 90s had that energy to it. It was incredible. Um, and then, you know, the next time they came out, 2003, was was a lot more subdued. We had seats, um, you know, as Pest Ross killed her, it was, it was not the same vibe, understandably, um, Ed had cut his hair, you know. <laughs> it was, um, it, it, it just wasn't the same. And it was really, I think, 2006 where they picked up, and that's where I saw, you know, you know, ten shows on that tour. Was anybody else in the go to the '95, '98 shows? Oh, I was in the '98 shows for Melbourne and Sydney. They were my, they were my. That, really, uh, uh, Melbourne night night one was my first show, and that was just by chance that I was in Melbourne and. I realized that their first show was going to be on my last day there. So I was able to reschedule my flight back to Sydney. I managed to get, my, managed to nice. get myself a ticket and I got to that show, uh, which was amazing because it was the first time I'd ever experienced their, them live outside of listening to the um, 95 Melbourne Park bootleg uh, that I was, you know, I was listening to daily. And yeah, that was, that was my first show in 98. And then I saw them twice again here in, here in Sydney, which was amazing. But, uh, Vicky, how about you? Say Nikki or Vicky? Yeah, no. I, I'll go Vicky yeah, first. Nikki and Vicky. Nikki. It's a bit confusing. We'll just go <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm a bit too young for the 90s, unfortunately. So, um, live vicariously through those who were there. Um, I didn't see a show till Melbourne 2, 2003. Um, and I was 15 and I was supposed to be at boarding school. <laughs> um, and evidently was, was, was not at boarding school um, So I did Melbourne Nights 2 and 3 in 2003 As my first shows Which, um, yeah, the beginning of um, quite a bit of travelling Over the next few tours um, I think Adelaide's always the place that gets me All the Adelaide shows that I've been to Have always been amazing I've never seen, um, I don't know There's something about Adelaide um, The first show, 2006, was pretty amazing And Oh, 2009, even though, oh, sorry, no, not 2009, Big Day Out, even though it was Big Day Out and it was a festival, um, I overdid myself. I <laughs> dehydrated trying to hang out the rail oh, and no. I had a little bit of a collapse, had to get carried over the rail um, and they brought me back in time for Pearl Jam. So, um, wow. Did you get to your same spot though was, or did you get the same? Hey, yeah, no, they the brought back. me back over the rail. Get out so of they here. took me over the rail yes. to get to go see the St. John Ambulances. Um, and then all that the rail people, right you sort there. of get to know them when you're on tour. And, um, yeah, about 10 minutes before Pearl Jam came on, they, they brought me back and sent me back over the other side of the rail and everyone made space, which was really great. Did they, so they brought um, you back through the front there between the, uh, the stage yeah. and, the, and the guardrail yeah. and they just dropped the you back The same way in? they took me out. Yeah. Paul, that is, there's no chance of that happening in the United States. No. no. They're saying, go fuck yourself, walk back around, and maybe you can wedge yourself back to the front. <laughs> Then you can earn that. But <laughs> oh, that's an like, eloquent way you, of man. saying we suck, Jason. Is what that really amounts to. Okay. All right, Nikki, you're up. Um, yeah, I've seen many, many shows in Australia and in America. Been to over to the states three times to see them. Um, but yeah, my first show was in Sydney um, in '95, 10th of March, at the Entertainment Centre, and then I did. Um, they did a big outdoor show at. Um, Oh, the name's escaping me. Eastern Creek. Creek, That's it. Yeah. Yeah, And it was muddy and raining and that was like pretty, pretty amazing, pretty crazy kind of festival kind of vibe. 
Um, and then very excitingly, they then played Canberra, which is my hometown. And um, Capital, am I right? Yeah, the capital, yeah. And, you know, it was a massive deal for a band that big to come to Canberra and they did a big outdoor show and that was, yeah, really incredible. And um, it was kind of funny afterwards, so many um, sort of there was a residential area nearby and so many people complained about the noise. But there was a politician who then said she was never going to let Pearl Jam come back to Canberra. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, so, yeah, it was a good show. Um, but, yeah, and then I did some Melbourne shows. I was at that um, very famous Maya Music Bowl show where they tore down the fence and hundreds of people came running down. Um, and, um, yeah, and done many, yeah, many shows in 98 and all the rest of the tours. So um yeah I've got lots of amazing memories and I'm just so you know I had some incredible experiences because of the seniority ticketing thing with the 10 club I got um front row center um a few times so you know how old is your standing well since October 93 so yeah you were tenured (laughs) yeah so everyone below me who joined has dropped out yeah um it's cool. It's funny when I go to America, you know, often when people hear I've got a five-digit 10 club number, people flip out. I was just yeah. going to say, that's incredible. I, I'm pretty sure if you go to a show here, you're basically hanging out backstage at this point. Well, I wish. <laughs> but no, unfortunately, that would be amazing. But. What, uh, what what American cities have you come to? Oh, man. Uh, a lot of East Coast tours, New York, Boston, Philly, D.C. Oh, you followed um, them around a bit, huh? Oh, yeah, heaps. Yeah, like most incredible experiences of my life pretty much um so yeah i did 2008 2010 2013 wow okay. um, so yeah i like the east coast tours you know there's a lot of really hardcore fans we, do you plan on catching some of the gigaton shows on the east coast well i had tickets for the west oh, coast did. shows and i was due to fly out in march or april whenever it was 2020 and we know how that turned out so well um, yeah they're meant I don't to remember remind me in a couple of months and you come <laughs> and hang out with us we'll be there yeah well i've still got the tickets but you know i who knows what's going to happen um yeah i'm i'm basically like a junkie in withdrawal at this point because I haven't seen them for like eight years, I think. So it's um well that was Paul until I know Ohana before Festival, Ohana, so. I hadn't seen him in like eight years either. I tell you what, oh, when you wow. when you go again, it's it's like not a second past. <laughs> it's like slipping into a pair of slippers or something. You it just feels so comfortable. <laughs> like, oh I just saw him last year, yesterday. <laughs> well, it's been almost a decade, Paul. <laughs> Jason, talk to me. First experience live what do you got okay yeah so first experience was perth 98 i was working up in port headland which is right up the top of western australia so i flew down to the stadium uh caught up some mates and just had a jolly fat old time it was great um then i've i've only actually seen pearl jam i think six times in australia but i've seen them 56 times all up oh. so in australia i've done like the um so i've done like the big day out so i've done uh gold coast adelaide which vicky you were right that was a killer show uh and then perth and then um, a couple of brisbane shows and then sort of seen some med shows but we we much like yourself nikki you tend to travel a lot to go and see them you so folks just, um, literally set the standard 
That's really well, funny because yeah. I've seen them 55 times. You've seen one more show than me. <laughs> well, I don't mean to one up you. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but we actually, my wife and I, we just got, we just went over to the US to see them do the, the four shows they've just done. So, um, which it was amazing. But we had to spend three months out of Australia to be able to get over there. So, we basically saw four shows and then just drank our way around America and Canada. And, that's um, the way you do it. Isn't yeah, it? that's how we do, you do it. You didn't so, see me and Paul with our shirts on, roaming around? Um, they weren't sober so, enough to see us with our shirts on. Yeah, no. So we, we're actually we're, we're pretty dedicated when we do this. We've got other friends we do this with, but, like, we always hit rail. So, like, we, we'll camp out, do all that sort of stuff. Um, and yeah, so we we uh, we tend to always sort of be towards the front, very front. But um, yeah, so anyway, and and the Gigaton tour, where we're already committed that we're going to do the whole tour. So wherever it the goes, whole tour. We'll go. Yeah, that's the plan. So the dates in May. We're heading over. We'll head over to the US. We've got to get some tickets lined up. Well, we've already got tickets. For we'll Europe. be talking to you a lot, Jason. Yeah, so, Jason. Yeah. When you come to the forum here in Los Angeles, we're gonna we're gonna crack a couple of beers, my friend. That's whole. That, that's dedication. Yeah, yeah. Hell yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, man. Beth, can you beat that? Can you go? No, no, I can't beat any of that. That's incredible. And I like I tell my friends that I've been to eleven shows, and they're like, "You've been to eleven Pearl Jam shows, just one band." Man, you guys are vets. That's amazing. So jealous. I'm, I'm especially more jealous about you guys seeing them in those mid '90s years. That's just like I wish I saw those shows. But and I missed out on '98, uh, even though I was a fan. I missed out on tickets to uh, Yield and the idea of traveling around the country to see a band would never entered my mind um, until '03 when they came uh, back for Right Act. Um, we didn't get a binaural tour here, so um, I was pumped to see them and uh yeah i went to i went to sydney one uh in 03 and they opened with long road uh and they closed with indifference and it was just perfect oh, it was just the best God. experience i ever had and and then i had needed more so I, I went to a melbourne show i think it might have been night two in melbourne for 03 but um i was you know each time because i was a student and i was studying i didn't have the money to to roam around and go all the time so i made sure that 06 for um avocado was was a big one so i went to five shows on that tour and i was pretty stoked with that with um i can see uh there's there's a a poster behind jorge with the newcastle show was pretty spectacular where sure um, you know um it yeah it was just it was it was organized by petition by three guys in in newcastle saying why don't you ever come here um hmm. you know and so they did. They they got like ten thousand signatures or something around Newcastle, and then Eddie was like, "Let's do it." And Mark Richards chose the set list. Uh, wow! Uh, one of our famous surfers here in Australia, and it was just B sides and rarities. Like they came out and opened with a live, and they did like that was the alone, show. alone and down and all these like random songs. And uh, I remember walking out with my mate uh, who was we were just so pumped because we're like, "We heard this and we heard that," you know, trying to tick off all these rarities and all these people walking past going man they didn't even play better man it's like yeah go keep <laughs> walking yeah they so, played undone um, masters yeah they of played war, undone yeah masters of war yeah masters of war was uh just leather intense. man yeah i've heard wow. leather man a couple of times it's crazy for um for the amount of shows i've been to i've i've heard <laughs> songs on a few times but yeah i i can't wait to see him you know i i've i've i 
I haven't liked the fact that they've gone to festivals because it's it's not as many shows that right. you can go around to. And, you know, that for me, 06 was just was the pinnacle because they they still had, um, you know, the 10 club area and um, so, like, you know, sectioned off for fans and um, you had your space and your seat and, you know, it was all very, uh, very uh, well behaved. You could have all the beers. <laughs> you, could have all, you could have all the beers and you were next to Pearl Jam hardcore fans and it was awesome. But now they're you know doing just the festival things it's like one one per city but i'd love them to go back to like three three nights in each city yeah yeah so here's a question for each of you uh what is your favorite pearl jam song and coupled with that since each of you have seen them and can't wait to see them again and have intentions to see them again what is your favorite pearl jam song and what is the one song that you want to hear live when you do see them again so let's start with you jorge uh it's it's impossible to answer favorite song i think but um too many great songs to choose one uh, there's one that that, that... Well, what was the first song that popped in your head when you heard me ask that question uh i think currently it's given to fly i've always i've always loved okay. the song it's a great song when you're driving it's a great song when you're working out i just it's just a great great when you're when bored, you're bored whatever. any reason i've always loved giving to fly i love the it just you know it peaks and then it drops and it peaks and it drops and i just love the tempo that the song has throughout you know the uh, duration of it um i'd like to hear some of their new um their new records live the so gigaton okay you get you get one song eddie comes to you and says <laughs> uh Here's I kept this this little slot here in the set list open. What do okay, you want to hear? Okay, let's go. Black, red, yellow. It's an oldie, but I haven't heard. I haven't nice. heard. I haven't heard it live in <laughs> like a fifty foot you know, Roman. Yeah, I've been to I've been to twenty five <laughs> shows and I haven't heard that one. But yeah, okay. Who's next? Who we got? Who wants to go? Uh, look, I'll I'll jump on with Jorge there. Uh, big time, giving a fly. It's just it's just such an incredible song. Every band member is just at their peak, uh, performing to the highest level. Um, I, when I was at uni, university, I studied creative arts and, and one of the topics was, you know, writing a reflection about a piece of art, any piece of art. So I wrote an essay on uh, the beauty of giving a fly and wow. uh, even attached a CD for my lecturer to listen to it as nice. he read my essay. <laughs> and he, he gave me 99. He didn't even give me a full hundred. And I was, oh, man. I was, I was cut. I was pretty cut. Uh, but Given CD a fly, had a scratch in it. That's yeah, <laughs> it's, it, it, that's right. Yeah, uh, always my go-to with karaoke as well. I just love belting out that. Ooh. It's just so much fun. Yeah, it's the best. Well, but, actually, um, I want to circle back real quick. Yeah, Jorge, karaoke song, Pearl Jam. What do you got? Probably alive. Yeah, classic. I like it. That's that's now we're adding that to the questions. So, okay, so, so <laughs> three Nikki, questions: favorite Nikki, song, next- song you must hear live, and favorite <laughs> karaoke song. Go ahead. Pearl Jam. But um, live, live. Oh, sorry. That's live wise, live wise. I ha- I. It sounds crazy, but I've never heard uh, Faithful, and I would love what? to hear that live. Oh man! Yeah, uh, eleven shows and no Faithful. Um, yeah, pretty gutting. And every time I see it on a set list, when I can't make that show in Australia, oh man, I just give myself an uppercut. So yeah, no, I'd love to hear Faithful. Nikki, tell me you've heard it, Faithful. 
I have heard Faithful. All right, good segue. 55 shows, Jason. Um, on. <laughs> I've, I've been very lucky. I've heard pretty much, there's only a couple of songs that I'm yet to hear. But um, Have you I'll heard Sweet Lou? Ooh. Yeah, yeah Paul and I have. What's up now? I'm not sure. I don't think I would have heard Sweet Lou. Check the app. So. Check yeah. the app. But do you know what? I'm not too sure. <laughs> um, Didn't they just play my... that at Ohana? Yeah. Yeah. Um, my favorite Pearl Jam song is Brother. Yes. Ooh, deep cut. Love that nice. shout out. Yeah. It's so underrated. I, uh, you know, and I know it's a controversial song. You know, was it Stone and Mike had a big fight about that song? Or, um, but it is just a perfect Pearl Jam song to me. I love it so much. And I've been so lucky to see it live twice. Wow. So, it's been um, nine actually, times. You've heard it twice? Sorry, Nikki, can I just jump in there for a sec? This is how messed up my stats are. I've only been to 11 shows and I've seen Brother live. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Well, they played it. But not yeah, faithful. They played it. <laughs> but not faithful. No, not faithful. Yeah, that's pretty weird. <laughs> um, yeah, they, that was the first time I heard it in Melbourne. It was like, and I kind of went into shock. And um, and then they also played it at a show in Newark, New Jersey. And in mm. that set, they also played Alone, which is my second favourite song. Oh. So that was a pretty incredible show, yeah. Um, but what was the other question? Sorry. <laughs> what do you want to hear? What other live song do you really want to hear next? And then what's your karaoke song? Um, other Side. I would kill to hear Other Side. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I, I, did, well, um, I feel like we talked about a lot of these tracks the last two episodes. This is fantastic. Well, we spoke with uh, Brandon from Better Band about Other Side, which will come out in a handful of weeks. So uh, that, that's why it's on our minds. But that's a great shout. <laughs> um and gee karaoke i actually am a singer but i would i can't really attempt to sing eddie as a woman he, i don't know what's he loves to uh, he uh, cites a lot of female vocalists as some of his greatest influences yeah that's true i just feel like it's hard to sing you know a male song but yeah i don't know if i've strangely never done um pearl jam at karaoke do you play Maybe. piano uh, not really. Um, maybe like hard to imagine or something. Yeah. But that's wouldn't really get the crowd going. Would it? It's a bit slow. But... Yeah, it's a beautiful song. <laughs> or in my tree. I don't know. Something like that. There you Fun. go. Brad, what's up? Oh man. Um, so what, I just want to know what, what beer you're drinking there, Jason. It looks good. It looks like a heavy IPA. This, this, this beer is called, um, bunny with a chainsaw. I'm not kidding. It is a hazy IPA. Correct. <laughs> yeah, excellent. My favorite song is Porch, which I identify with like just that feeling of angst as a teenager, 16, 17. And then, you know, you know, when you have those like first love experiences and you just like, you know, wanting it to work out and it doesn't, and then you're just thinking shit. Um, yeah. Um, my um, song I want to hear live actually, um, probably Quick Escape. I, I just think that song is just like, incredible and it's just come out like it's, it's it's a song that could have been released you know 20 years ago 25 yep. years ago for the band and, and it's just got that incredible energy to it um everyone's firing on that song karaoke wise i think jason you're a guitar player is that right as well yeah mm -hmm. so you're probably like me and you probably like have put on the band so many times and been the sixth member and or seventh member <laughs> and just you know like jammed out but i would go with porch or ruby mirror just those ones with those extended jams in it. Actually, um, back in my band days, I did we did a, a Pearl Jam tribute night here in Melbourne at, at a place, I don't know what it's called now, it was called the Hi-Fi Bar back then. And my band was last and we were just 
taking requests and just just jamming up there it was the best time ever. Um, so I miss that. And um, yeah, so I'd be that I'd be that dork with the sign saying, "Can I play guitar with you?" And Eddie would probably shut me down. Or wasn't there a guy recently who, who unless you're Vicky, in which case they just bring you. Sir, right back you're 37 years old. We need a 12 year old come up here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Was there a guy recently who had a sign like that and he he missed out or something? Or, it was in Ohana. Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> he called me. He's like, "Come Man. on, you can't play with Matt Cameron." Yeah. And the kid didn't come up. Mm, yeah. Vicky, talk to me. Oh right. So favorite song, and every time I say this, someone thinks it's quite boring. But I love Why Go. Um, How is that boring? Bit of bass. Oh, that's just the reaction I tend to get. Um, wow. and you need better friends. It just has the best bass line. Um, oh, that yes, song is part of the reason. It's an outstanding track. That, I, that, that is part of the reason I learned to play bass is that song. So um, definitely why go as the favorite song. Pop quiz. How many um, strings on the bass for that riff? Oh, I don't actually play that song. It's 12. <laughs> Homework assignment for you, Vicky. For that song. 12 string bass. <laughs> Anyways, carry on. Oh, good. Um, Anyway, um, I was going to say other side too, so I'm a bit annoyed at Nikki um, that she got to go first. Um, so <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> stole my thunder with other side. Um, I think I'd also really like to hear All or Nuns, another song that's sort of on the list that I haven't heard that I Quality. would really, really like to hear. These, um, this set list is just great on I its own it. right now. I love it. Yeah. Um, and I don't do karaoke because I can't sing. Um, when anyone's listening anyway, but um, I'd go with oh. Do the Evolution, I reckon, as a karaoke song. I was going to say, you know, screw screw the, the karaoke thing. What are you singing in the car? What yeah, do you think? Well, I'm What's gonna, your gonna song? Go, I'm going to do Do the Evolution. Do you do the as, scream as at the top? <laughs> oh, no. Sorry for the hallelujah. I do the low bit. Okay. <laughs> I, gotcha. I go underneath. I do the low bit, yeah. <laughs> Bassist, of course. Makes sense. Jason. Um, so mine would be an Ed song, Setting Forth would be probably my favorite. I think it'd be not even a Pearl Jam song. You're saying Setting Forth, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know, but it changes every album. So, like, whoever said right now would probably be my favorite oh. Pearl Jam song, but oh, then great song. it changes. So, yeah, it chops and changes, but consistently, Setting Forth, since I heard it, love the song. I you are an enigma, I like sir. it. Who um, is also. Also, I've got to say, Nikki, you stumped everybody because the song I want to hear is Brother. <laughs> so, oh. um, yeah, not heard it. So, like, and, and I've written it down on my, on my thing here. Like, you're going, oh, I've seen it twice. Like, thanks. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, and the karaoke thing. Look, I've just got way too much respect for him to even attempt anything relating to the music. <laughs> so, uh, I'd just be out. But if it was in the car, I'd, I'd have to sit around porch. I think, yeah, it's uh, you go with porch. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. These are good answers. These are these are eclectic answers. I like it. Paul, what's next? What Can we I got change here? my? Oh, sorry. No, well, go ahead. Go Nikki. ahead. Oh, I'm sorry to jump in. I was just going to say I'm going to change my karaoke song to Life Wasted. If I oh, <laughs> may I ask why? <laughs> Well, it's much more, you know, a good song for karaoke. Like it's just so up tempo and it's just the lyrics. I just love the lyrics. It gets you really fired up. So, yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. All so right. I, I have to ask just because a lot of the things that we wanted to ask you, you're such a brilliant panel. You've actually just impromptu brought up organically, which is to 
which is outstanding. I love this. But I, I have to ask, because at, at the early onset of the show, we talked a little bit about some of the posters behind Vicky and Jorge and Bev. And so I have to ask this question. What's the coolest or the most, I don't want to say valuable, monetarily speaking, but the, the most uh, sentimental, I guess. Cherished. Coolest or sentimental or cherished. That's a great word, great word. The most cherished piece of, of merchandise or, or Pearl Jam collectible that you own since you become a member. Or, or I'm sorry, since you become a fan. Let's start. Uh, we're going to let the ladies go first. Vicky, kick us off. All right. Um, oh, look, I think um, in terms of posters, I've got one of those billboard posters, the signed billboard posters from Pearl Jam 20. So that's a pretty cool, oh, cool. Um, a pretty cool piece because, you know, we sort of watched it be painted across the weekend. So to get a copy of that was, um, oh, wow. was pretty amazing. It sort of framed with my tickets and all of that sort of stuff. Um, in terms of other stuff, I don't know. I'm not that. I think my favourite shirt, which is just about worn to death, is from um, LA in 2006. It's a Save Trestle shirt. So it was um, Surfrider Foundation that were raising money for during that show. And it's also a great show with Sonic Youth and opening. And, you know, it's just I one of Jason, those fantastic moments as well. Yeah. Were you at both shows? Yeah. yeah. I was at both shows, yeah. All right, Nikki, you're up. Ladies first. Um, I feel bad because I don't think Jorge got to answer the other question yet because I cut him off. But I'll just quickly um, say uh, I'm not really into collectibles, but I have a gorgeous poster, which I wish I could show you, um, from Camden, New Jersey in 2008, which is like it's a skull and uh, an eagle, I think, and it looks very gothic and um it's very gorgeous. Yeah, if you want to look it up, I forget the dates. I oh, I see it's all it's black, red, and white. Yeah, it's really beautiful. I love that's my favorite poster. Um, I also am looking at an Eddie poster that he signed for me, um, which is pretty special. And How did I also he sign have it? pardon. Did, it, did you buy it signed or did you happen to meet no, him? No, I've met Eddie a few times. Um, and he yeah, that Brad, was Brad, like Brad's a, gonna I'm sorry, Bev's gonna <laughs> lose his mind. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> Oh, um, poor bastard over here is like, I was meeting Eddie and getting things signed and seeing the songs <laughs> they want to hear. Here I am over that here. Was, that was just a very quick, you know, he was just signing, you know, just very quickly for everyone. Um, but I also have two guitar picks that Eddie personally gave me and they're framed and they're pretty damn special. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is it, is it had the ones that say Ed Ved on them? Um, green and black. With the bat? Is it the bat? Yeah, one's the bat a, one. It's the one I have. No, one's a black one that's got the wave on one side mm, okay. in, in white. Is that a six? Um, which actually um, is kind of a cool story. At one of the, I think it was a Melbourne show. I can't remember what year, maybe 2009. I'd seen him earlier in the day and he recognised me and he, like, stepped over the foldback speaker to hand me a pick. And my friends were up way up in the, you know, back seats and they were all going crazy like, oh, my God, he just gave Nikki a pick. <laughs> yeah, so that was pretty cool. <laughs> That's great. Jorge, did we cut you off? No, I don't know. Nikki, I'm not sure what you thought you cut me off on. But um, Oh, I thought you didn't get to answer the last round. No, Sorry. no, I'm good. Okay. Oh, the, the one about karaoke favorites? No, let's go to Jorge next, though, because I want to see if between Jorge, Brad, and Jason – we can really up the ante of, of Bev's I'll, stress I'll, levels of missing I'll, out. I'll, so, I'll, Jorge, you I'll go next. I apologize in advance, Bev, but uh, uh, like... He drummed with Jack. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> 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 um, 
But uh, like Nikki, I've been lucky enough to meet, have met Eddie uh, a handful of times just um, by, 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 by luck and by persistence, I guess. Um, so I've got posters for every show I've attended except for 98 Sydney and Melbourne shows. Uh, I didn't know that they were a thing to collect when I first started seeing them, so I missed out on those, on those ones. Uh, my favourite poster would probably be uh, Melbourne 2006, the Ned Kelly poster. Ned Kelly sitting in a bar. Um, yeah, that's a cool one. Yeah. I, I actually one, yeah. missed out on that one on the night, but I managed to buy one on eBay many years later. So, um, but my most cherished thing is uh, Eddie. I've, Eddie Vedder has given me a wine bottle, and he's given me he's given me a Zippo lighter uh, out of his pocket in oh. two of those times that I've met him. So, I've, <laughs> how do you guys just meet him so easily? <laughs> I feel. I thought like my it's story Australia. was like yeah, random and, and like super lucky, but you guys are like, yeah, you know, yeah. I got from coffee. You know, 2006, uh, the last Sydney show, I was, I was front and center. It was seated, so it was that that area was ours alone. And and he um he, he shared his wine bottle with me and my friends and gave me the the wine bottle at the end of the show. And then, and the, the the lighter he gave me at a, a solo show, uh, Eddie Vedder solo appearance here in Sydney. What kind of wine was it? Uh, I was about to ask that question. Look, man, I, this is my little room. So it's a... Maybe a Merlot. You can see that. Malbec. I can't... I want to, I want to read yeah, it. So what is it? What is it? It's, a, it's a Vast Felix 2003. It's a Margaret River wine. Um, and that's just the, the... That's the Zippo that he had. It, that he lit, lit a cigarette yep. with and then, oh, then handed right, cool. to me. So, yeah. Very lucky. Somebody... Somebody needs to figure out what that what that wine is. Read it, read it again. Uh, the the, the, uh, the label. I'll just see if it says what type of grape it is, and it doesn't. It's a Vas Felix two thousand and three. I'm going to ask you to take a, take a photo of that wine bottle. Yeah, and I'll send it to me. I'm going to sure. post that along with this along with this. Yeah. All right, Brad. Yeah, I, well, hey, that, that show was is probably goes down to my favourite Pearl Jam show um, coming off the back of the second Sydney show in 2006, which was with the crowd. Was it was awful. terrible. And then in the third one, I don't know if you guys have all heard the boot. It's just, it was the feeling there was just electric. So that was, yeah. Um, I'm terrible with posters. I am so crap at looking up to my posters and I buy them and I don't, don't treat them well. So my favourite um, memorabilia item that I've got, I back in the days when... Um, I was 17 and just had just seen them and they recorded the, the show for Triple J. Um, had to sing karaoke, funnily enough, on the radio. And I did a terrible version of Jeremy. It was pre my guitar playing day. So, you know, I just sort of like uh, flood my way through it. And then, um, yeah, won the uh, Rare Fighter Live CD. So that's that's probably the thing I most treasure. Yeah. Nice. From that show. You earned it too. Yeah. Well, sort of. Yeah. I think they had after calling me they had to give it to me. It was like Well, you know, earned pity, same thing. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Jason. Yeah. Let's make Bev hurt here. What do you got? Yeah, I've got been pretty fortunate actually. Um, Oh God. Brace yourself. (laughs) You know, Eddie delivered my firstborn and uh (laughs) Well, no. Um, no, so um been very fortunate. I think probably the favourite, we, we'd done the South American tour in 2014 and Nicole, that's my wife, slipped out a note during porch and um, sort of saying it was actually our wedding anniversary of that day. We'd been married for like 22 years or something. So he flicked us out. I've, I've got a picture of it, which I'll show you on the screen if you can see. Can you guys see that? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. 
So um, he, he flicked us out a, a, a tambourine just with, like, happy anniversary and all that sort of stuff. But also we've been to a few shows. But to answer the poster thing, I think it was I think it was Milwaukee 2015 where they'd done Yield. Um, so that poster there I think I'd rate as the redhead lady and so forth. So that's, that's probably in the top realms of posters. Um, and then also... We were fortunate enough to be in Oslo for the 2014 show when they played Strangers Tribe and for the first time, which was a good thing to see. Wow. We also end up... Um, Nicky's dying over there. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then got the harp from that show as well as harmonica. So I think you played footsteps, some of that, and flicked that out to us. So we've been really fortunate. So. <laughs> sure yeah. has, my oh, my God. I'm dying. Then, I can't imagine. How does one decide yeah. to go to Oslo? I mean that's a that's a hell of a trick. Well, we done the whole we done the whole to tour. Get a harmonica, Jason. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we tend to try and do the tours in blocks, you know. So if we uh, so we done all of South America, which was awesome. We hired a, a motor home through Brazil with nine friends and had some drivers and just had a fat time. So can I just come uh, and hang out with you? Living I mean, the this dream is a, down. There. <laughs> I'm gonna abandon my yeah. wife and kids and just <laughs> follow you on your next journey. <laughs> Sweet Jesus. Yeah. Okay. All right. <clears throat> Yeah. All right. All right yeah. What you've heard. Yeah, that's what they say. Else. There's only one thing. So, oh, sorry. No, no, no. J- Jason, com- com- complete your 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 testimonial here. No, nah, it's good. It's good. <laughs> I'll be, but I'll catch up with you guys when we're in the states. That's for sure. Okay. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Bev, look, how do you, like, man, <laughs> Pearl Jam fans? They're so easy to love and so easy to hate at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> just because of all their experiences. Uh, yeah, look, I obviously the poster I've got on my wall, the 03 first shows, um, I love I love the design of it. I think it's so great. Uh, it's got a great um, sort of references as well to uh, to President Bush. But um, I like uh, I, I love the Newcastle one because it was a one-off show. You know, so we didn't. That's never going to happen again. But actually, I think the two things that I've got, uh, I've actually got when the bootlegs were officially coming out in '03. Um, I remember going for a, a walk with my my friends to to go to the local pub, and we walked past this banner, and it was like, you know, that they stick on with the glue, the huge billboard sort of posters that they put up. Post bills, this, yeah, yeah, the post bills, and it was the the cover of the Perth show, the the Perth bootleg. So it's like half an Australian flag sort of thing with. Pearl Jam, really big, and bootlegs out now. And I just ripped it off the wall. I just pulled the whole thing down, and I rolled it up, and I took it and carried it to the pub. I walked around for with it for hours with this post, this billboard around my arm, uh, under my arm for for so long, and had a few sideways glances, like, "What the hell is that guy doing with the billboard?" <laughs> but um, yeah, it got it dry, and it was on my wall, and it took up my entire wall in my bedroom for for a number of years. But I got that. But it's funny, I've never met him. I've never met any of the band uh, band members. Uh, however, I had a, a, a mate that I ran into, a, a stranger that I ran into on a flight from Melbourne. It's a long story, so cut a long story, story short. Turned out we we're big Jack Iron fans, all this sort of thing. We went to the Sydney show. We didn't know we were going to the Sydney show. We saw each other um, and it was amazing. He shook my hand, gave me an uh, Mike McCready pick because he had a, an extra one and he was like, man, great to meet you on the plane. I was like, dude, you're a, you're a legend. And then cut like four years later, I'm getting married and uh, on the day of the wedding, I'm getting ready with my groomsmen and my mates and then this parcel comes in the mail 
and I open it up and sure enough inside uh, from this guy, Nathan, so shout out to, to Nate's 30, uh, is Jack Orange drumstick. That oh he caught God. he caught one year and he gave it to me, um, uh, and he, and the note said, uh, "When you hold the hand of love, it's all surmountable." And I was just like, "Man, this how is do you top that? Well, Are you kidding?" Yeah, but I've never met him. But but (laughs) I'm so glad we finished with you. (laughs) But uh, shout out to Nate. It's it's I I still have it on my little stick holder, uh, a Jack Irons blunt end tennis tape. You know the 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 dirty the dirty hits that he used to do on the snare. It's just beautiful. I love it. I cherish it forever. Outstanding. My word. Uh, So listen, you've each shared so much about your experience with the band and your experience with the music. It's very clear that each and every one of you loves Pearl Jam. I don't think you'd be on this, this, this geriatric show of ours if you, if you you did, but I I have to ask, what is it about Pearl Jam that makes you love them as much as you do? Who wants to go first? Don't all shout at once. (laughs) Brad, go ahead. Yeah. It's the honesty. The honesty that comes through in the music, in their stance, in the, just the fact that they're just, you know, they, when they brought music to us in the beginning, it was, it was like nothing we had heard. I mean, obviously there were influences and classic influences, but just the energy and, and, and Ed and just the guitars and the music and it, how it just, it just made us feel like we had these friends um, in music and that's carried over with me through the years. And then I think just, you know, I don't often go back. I do listen to the studio versions, but it's the live versions that have kept me going over the years and just listening to them and just uh, hearing how they've evolved. Um, I'll always have a soft spot for those Jack years where it was just, that just hit it right. It was right on the money for me. But um, I think the band had just, you know, they've survived and we've survived with them and they've been there with us, like I said, like friends um, that we uh, can count on. And some of you probably could call them friends, I guess. But um, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's been a hell of a ride, and and the fact that we you know we got gig a ton and and we might get some shows is just incredible. You know, just we're just so thankful for them, and um, yeah, I, I I will go to different styles of music, and um, you know, but Pearl Jam always will be there, and they'll always keep coming back to them, and um, they're just incredibly special to all of us. So yeah. Or hey, we're gonna go to you before Nikki cuts you off again. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, it's just it's 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 difficult to explain. I think Pearl Jam is uh, is just the, the soundtrack to my my life uh, since. That's what Lenny Prado, lead singer of Black Circle. Yeah, Sarah, yeah, it's uh, that's a super cool bond. Discovering the them, I, I, I listen to them when I'm in a great mood, you know, happy mood. I listen to them if I'm if I'm down. Uh, a day doesn't go by where I won't listen to at least you know half a dozen Pearl Jam songs either in the car or or whatnot. So uh, yeah, and just, yeah, I guess you, we kind of feel like an extended family of the band because you know you know you you play the guitar to their music or you, you know you air guitar to their music, whatever it might be. You just feel like you're an extension of their band and uh, air accordion, air accordion, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. <laughs> no, nobody else? Okay, fine. I'm the only guy. I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, keep going, keep going no, no, that's it. okay. Um, yeah, so I just think it's, uh, and in terms of the music, I just love, uh, I love the music. So I love the, the you know, the guitars and the, and the drums and bass and whatnot, but it just, uh, I guess Eddie's tone and, and, the, and lyrically what 
the, the poetry in his words is just something that when you break it down and, and, and analyze it and, and you interpret it your way, it, it always strikes a chord it's with me personally and I'm sure with everyone that's a fan. Nikki. Um, gosh, I mean, you could talk about this for 10 hours, couldn't you? Um, yeah. I think it's. I think there's a Zoom yeah. time limit. So if you could go ahead and just you know, in the beginning, you know, there's just something visceral about the music. Like it just hits you, like you just feel it in your body. It's just impossible to describe, but also just who they are as people. They just stand for everything good. They've got so much integrity. And for me as a teenager, you know, Eddie was a real role model for me just as a human being. I mean, the whole band, but especially Eddie. And um, But it's it's them live. I mean, like, trying to explain to somebody what it's like to go to a live Pearl Jam show. I mean, how do you even do that? Like the magic of it is just indescribable. Like I'm sorry, I'm getting emotional actually. Um, But, you know, when people will sometimes say that they have that moment at a show where they kind of feel so much joy and they look around at everybody and they just think this is what living is. Like it's there's just something so life-affirming about them that, it's yeah, it's hard to put into words, but yeah, they just I've I've seen a lot of bands. I've never seen a better live band. Would you agree with this statement, Nikki, that Pearl Jam is our generation's Grateful Dead? Oh, for sure. Yeah. And even the Beatles, someone mentioned the Beatles before, you know, in a in some sense in terms of how much people connect, you know. Um yeah, hundred percent, and the and the community, like people don't understand the community of fans as well. How special that is, and not a lot of bands have that. I don't think. That's been one of our favorite aspects of all of this. Really, is is the the communal feeling. Uh, Jason, what do you got? Yeah, wow, it's yeah, it's a, it's a big question, but I think um, so. For me, I think it, it's. So having listened to them for a long time, like all of us have, um, it's they're like a, com- a comparative benchmark in your life where you you hear the development of their music and the growth of their music, and also their alignment with social value and social justice, environmental. Um, there's so many things there where where every time another album comes out and you just you feel like that they've just hit the nail on the head for where you stand in your point in your life right now so i think that's a really big thing for me um there's a there's an appreciation of their fan base which i think is unparalleled uh the grateful dead was mentioned which would be the closest uh in community but i just think that their 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 respect and their love for their fan base is huge and i think the biggest thing although i've not actually met anybody on on this meeting yet uh which i think we'll be meeting in 23 but um I, I know that we've now got so many friends from all over the world. It's just that, and that's the that's the real, that's a good thing, you know. We go to see shows now, and we get to see friends, you know. Like basically, we we have friends here living in Poland, you know. We speak to them every two weeks, every week, you know. And and these are guys we've done. I think we've done like thirty or forty shows with these guys, you know. And this is um, beautiful. Yeah, and so I think I think. What I always sort of see, and I've had this happen, we used to live in Coffs Harbour. We were at a market one time and and I've had this happen a lot. You see some dude wearing a PJ shirt and you go, love the T-shirt, and it's just like your friends, you know. And <laughs> yeah, our, 
our experience so far has been that, uh, as I say, my wife Nicole and I go to all the shows together. Um, but our experience so far has been that you've already broken down the first step you need to be with friends. So you're there communally loving the music. You're there for that same reason. So you've already got past that first date scenario and you're like, you're just ready to roll and have the a good first time. Date so for me, I think that's it. Yeah. <laughs> you must know like multiple languages now too with all these friends all over the world. Well, you know, no. <laughs> I've got very patient friends that speak many languages. <laughs> Vicky. Oh, God, I don't know what there is to say that hasn't been said. I think it's it's a feeling. It's not really – It's not, It's it isn't something that, you know, I think I'm pretty articulate, but um, apparently not with this question. Um, and I think I'm a bit like – I think it was Brad who said he doesn't really listen to the studio albums a lot, and he, I don't either. Um, but, I mean, if you listen to a bootleg of a show that you were at, you're back there. And yeah. you're not just back there, like – you know, watching the show and listening to the music, you're having that feeling and that camaraderie with the band and with the crowd. And um, it's a feeling, and I mean, I can't even remember what the feeling's like because how long ago was Big Day Out in Perth? Um, a very long time ago. I, I, every time um, I listen to my boots, I remember what it was like standing in line to pee too. I, it's it never been. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, like I, I generally go to shows by myself because I don't, I don't want to bring someone along and not have them be part of that feeling and feel like they're going to drag me out of my feeling or that I have to drag them into my feeling. And yet I've never been to a show and actually been alone um, because you're connected with the crowd, you're connecting with the people around you. Um, I spoke earlier about, you know, I collapsed in Adelaide and those are people that I met only on tours and they were fantastic, you know. Um, I see them every time Pearl Jump come to Australia. I don't know them. They're not my friends. Um, and I'm not as good as some people at staying in touch. I, you know, don't talk every two weeks. Um, but, you know, they looked after me on my way out and they looked after me on my way back um, and made sure there was space for me there on the rail. And I just think it's, it's a feeling. It's, you can hear the bass, like, in your brain, in your, in your body. I, I don't know. It sounds very twee, but um, I don't think I can put it better than that. All right, Bev, what do you got? Well, look, Jason, Paul, seriously, it's a stupid question. It is a stupid question. How do you <laughs> that's, that's all I'm good for on this show, <laughs> to you, be honest with you. you. That was the correct that answer, question. telling Paul he's stupid. Okay. Uh, oh, man, how do you answer that? Um, I guess for me it's like, it's like a release. It's something, that, it's something that happens in me when I hear it, any song. Um, and I agree with everyone here. Like everyone here has talked about seeing them live and it is that sort of religious experience, you know. It's um, it's something higher than just seeing five guys just play instruments. Um, it's a connection that just releases something. And and if it's if it's either making you feel better about yourself or celebrating your life or feeling like crap, but you know, saying it's all good to feel like that. It's it's just such a an incredible band to to have in your life. It's funny, I was, my wife and I were sitting up and listening to Earthling for the first time together while we're playing some Scrabble. And, you know, I'm there like a kid on Christmas morning, 
you know, going new tracks, new tracks, new lyrics to to delve into and all that sort of stuff. And and my wife, who um, she's a very patient woman with my obsession <laughs> with Pearl Jam. Does um, she know my wife? Because <laughs> yeah, but um, but she is also a, a fan as well. Um, but she sort of looked at me and said, "Look at you, look at you. You're different when you hear this music." And and um, who would have guessed that you know after 30 years of this this band has existed for nearly over 30 years you know like it's it's like she said you picked well babe you picked a good band to to still have music even there sounds in there. like you picked well too Bev. well yeah so like i said she's, yeah. she's 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 patient um but you know oh, what a joy to to get music every so years every few years and you're still there going, I need to see this live. I need to see them again. I need to, I need to go. That's, that's incredible. Well, we've come to the end of the road here. And uh, I, I feel like I can, I can speak for Paul when I say we could probably talk for another couple of hours. Um, I will say one, whoever's coming to Los Angeles uh, this spring slash summer here in the Northern Hemisphere uh, for those two shows, please come and find us and we'll share beverages and stories and share handshakes and hugs and all that good stuff. Uh, I also want to thank um, uh, Angela from Pearl jam Australia's Instagram account, because she helped put a little bit of this together. I actually met her uh, at the home shows in Seattle in 2018. My wife and I met her just, we happened to be on the floor. She was the person next to us with her husband. We chatted it up. It was my wife's first show. And we just started chatting it up. And here we are three and a half years later. And she's helped me assemble this it's lovely a testament to the band, gaggle of people. The community that is formed by this music it really is, Jason. It's, it's incredible. It, it makes me think when, Vicky, when you talk about not feeling alone at a show, you've gone by yourself. That's exactly what it is. I was, I was going to those shows regardless. I'm like, they want to come? And she's like, cool. Yeah, I'll come. Great. You're coming with me. And you're going to understand what the hell is going on. And she goes... This is incredible. Like you guys are are like nerds, but the best, most beautiful kind. And I'm like, yeah. And she still talks to me. Goes, oh, tell Angela I say hello. And I'm like, I will. And, and that's that's the feeling, right? You you make these friendships and you have this communal effect. And and we've all been to a lot of the same shows. And even if we haven't met each other, we still feel the same things. And, and I just want to thank all of you guys for for coming on here and and discussing your experiences, why you love this band. Uh, and only we, only the we, when I say that the uh, people who are listening will understand why we feel this way and that's okay. And that's okay. And our friends might think we're crazy, but, uh, but that's cool. Um, but I want to thank you for being on the, uh, the very first fan round table, uh, Australia, Paul, Australia has done very well. It really has. And uh, a big shout out to the city of Melbourne. And uh, you just I just want to say the word again. <laughs> I do. I do. No, you know what? I'm going to cite a, a lyric line here from, from love boat captain. The band says, uh, lost nine friends. will never know. And, uh, I, this is just this round table just underscores the idea that you know, we've gained seven friends that will hopefully continue to know and really, really appreciate this community. Very, very grateful for it. I, I think, uh, this will be the most chair. You know, we talked about cherished, memorabilia what i cherish most about this experience that jason and i have with this this podcast is just the opportunity to meet great people like yourselves and, and hear your stories and just connect with you through this music very grateful that you took the time to jump on with us very much enjoyed hearing everything that you had to share and uh 
definitely hope that uh, I have the opportunity to share this music with each of you live one day. Jason Milsom from Hobart, Paul Bevis from Sydney, Nikki Stella from Melbourne, Jorge Lobas from two hours south of Sydney, Brad Arendelle from Melbourne, and Vicky Nash, also from Hobart. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you, you guys. Keep doing what you're doing. That's all we do it, Paul. It is exactly why we do it. I I have to be honest with you. A a, a big shout out again to everybody who joined us for that roundtable. Very much excited about the possibility of uh, connecting with all of them again in the near future. Equally as excited to do more of these in the future with with what I hope will be just an ever-expanding network of of friends surrounding the, the, the great sound of Pearl Jam and the authenticity of the band's music, the honesty, as Brad put it. Uh, it, it's funny when, when Vicky mentioned wanting to go to, to shows alone, I, I completely understand mm-hmm. that uh, like th- this idea of community and at the same time, the dichotomy of wanting to experience that for yourself and it's not feeling alone despite that because of the sense of community. And it, it's, it's, it's seriously been the, the greatest privilege of, of doing this. Uh, I mean, you, I just put up with, but everybody, no, <laughs> that's fair. That's very fair. <laughs> I, I tell you what, I, I've been to a number of shows in the past handful of years um, by myself only because I, I, you know, I didn't know anybody who else wanted to see that band, um, which maybe says a little more about me than anybody else. But I go there and I'm enjoying the show, but I'm not having the experience that I would if I went to a Pearl Jam show alone. The community yeah. is not the same. No, it's not. Um, and that's the difference. And for anybody who is either new to our show or new to the band and may not really understand what that means. Or, you know, you're listening because your significant other told you, Hey, I'm on this show. You should listen to it. Guys. It's a different thing. It's a different animal. It's hard to understand. Um, but if you listen to some of the music and really dive into it, you might start to. And um, yeah. And I, I will say again, Thank you to everyone that came on. Mm-hmm. And also uh, you may have experienced some, some internet blips uh, on especially uh, Jason's. Jason's. Yeah. Yeah. He's out in the uh, middle of Hobart. Um, so hopefully it wasn't too, too bad because he has some really interesting th- things to say. And, uh, but apologies for that. Anyways, you know, we have the internet here and we're only as good as the internet, but um, yep. nevertheless, uh, we will endeavor on and um, who knows what the next, what the next country will be. Will it be it from Europe? Will it be it from South America? Oh, I don't was know. Was he really in Hobart though? I mean, he could have been in an RV anywhere. Literally <laughs> he could anywhere. He could have been anywhere. That's where a lot of people he knows. All right. All right. Let's get to our lyric of the week. Paul lyric of the week this week. We're getting a little more contemporary. We're going to lightning bolt and we're going with sirens. It's a fragile Sirens, Paul, what do you got for me? 
you know, th- this is an interesting track in a lot of ways. Uh, I-, I could never shake the idea that they, not that they wrote the song on a dare or a bet, but this idea that they were <laughs> essentially challenged to write a ballad. You know, like somebody had mentioned, you guys have never written a ballad. Like, yeah, I guess, you know, like, we're going to go write our own November Rain or something. You know, I mean, they just decided. They need another it, eight minutes for that one. Uh, yeah, exactly. That they needed to, for some reason, put a ballad together just as a band. And you could hear, I mean, the, the video version, I think, is my favorite. Oh, uh, so version of it, it's great and it's especially the way the, the rest of the guys come in with with everybody singing in unison uh it, it's 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 a, a track that i think it takes a little bit of acclimation to, to, to truly connect mm-hmm. with it mostly because you know we talked about honesty and and authenticity at first there was something about it that didn't feel authentic and i i, I guess it's and i think that was the hardest part for me with this song and uh, over time I've grown to appreciate a lot of elements about it. I think lyrically, it's very honest. It yes. is very honest lyrically. And, and I think that if you, if, you, if you use that as the entry point into this song and you kind of separate the surrounding context and you just try to live this narrative in your head for a little bit, it's a fragile thing, this life we lead. If I think too much, I can get overwhelmed by the grace by which we live our lives. A little schmaltzy there, but mm-hmm. with, with death over our shoulders, want you to know that should I go, I always loved you, held you high above too. I studied your face. The fear goes away. It, it's just, it, it's a lovely homage. It's, it's a, a beautiful way to communicate how you feel about somebody. And there's a, I mean, obviously, you know, what the song is about, the concept of, you know, Eddie hearing these sirens outside the window as he was trying to compose this track. And, or write these lyrics anyway, I, I just feel like there's a level of authenticity and honesty, the very things we've been talking about on this, this show that are present lyrically in this song. And I think it's important in a lot of ways, mostly because there's something about connecting to somebody in a way that allows us to stop feeling afraid. And I think it's the, it, what's most poignant about these lyrics is the ending. This idea that the fear goes away and truly, and this is the irony is that hate is what comes from, I'm sorry, hate is born out of fear. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so love essentially is the remedy to that. And when you, when you can find love, whether it, any form of love, it dissolves that hate and therefore it dissolves fear. You're not afraid when you feel loved. You're not afraid when you're, when you're able to love. And I think that we live in a culture and in an era where there's so much fear mongering going on. I mean, I'm not going to go down a rabbit hole of politics and all that stuff right now, or even a rabbit hole of COVID. I'm, I'm just not. But it's hard to, to talk about society and have any type of social commentary without somehow rooting it to this concept of fear, because it's such a driving force in, in so many ways, insofar as how we live our lives. And I think that, you know, for young people, it's so important for us to help people understand that some fear is healthy, right? Don't, don't touch that. It's hot. That's, that's a good thing to be afraid of. It's right? grounding. Yeah. yeah. See that dog not on a leash? Don't go pet him. You know what I'm saying? That, some fear is healthy to have. But I also think that there's an unhealthy amount, a toxic amount of it as well. And to be able to teach people to see differences and to see variety and to see um, 
what makes us so uniquely individuals, to see that as something to be afraid of, to see different uh, ways of thinking as something to be afraid of, to see different ways of believing, of, of even loving as something to be afraid of. That is, is a message. That's a call to action in a lot of ways. And I think that uh, love is, is, is the remedy, you know? So I like that. I think uh, the, the fear, maybe it's, maybe it's the fear of, of being alone or the fear of not ever finding your compliment. Find your Vicky, I guess, right? Go to the show. (laughs) You don't need anybody. You'll find what you need there. (laughs) Look what you got the callback. Tremendous. You know, every once in a while, I think about life. Uh, But by that, I mean like the concept of it. And my brain tries to comprehend what the point of life is. Uh, I try to think about this from like the 100,000 foot view from the furthest reaches of Earth's atmosphere and try to understand why we're here what the end game is then Jason, i usually get a headache full nietzsche and uh descartes at this point you're just yeah, no, an no. existential absolutely of it. <laughs> it's weird it's like every every i don't know few months my brain just kind of like goes um not that i can understand that but it just happens to go and be curious about it yeah and i get a headache and my wires go across and i go and, and it's not good um some things are just bigger than us and and to, to try to make sense of it can be very, very daunting. And I guess this is why, well, and I, this is a bit of a tangent, but I guess this is why religion was created, right? It, it simple answers to complex questions make life a little bit more tolerable. So I can understand why that why that exists, why that's a thing. But I think there's a version of what I just described that everyone feels every now and again. And it often co- coincides with major life events or major relationship changes. Certain things, events, or people people especially, make us realize our mortality and how important they are within it. And that's love. That's significance. That's a level of attraction, desire, uh, and, and need that is almost indelible. And yet here we are listening to and talking about sirens. To write a song that speaks to this is tricky for me. One could come across as arrogant and or insincere. And I think Ed does a marvelous job of nearing those markers without touching them. You mentioned the word schmaltz. I've got a note here. Talk about schmaltz. <laughs> there, there's, there's a lot of schmaltz here, but it's just enough. It's, it's almost like seasoning a dish with salt. But you, Every you, rose you, has its own. <laughs> yeah, we didn't go. That's too far. We didn't jump the shark. <laughs> That's too far. Adding enough seasoning and enough salt to a dish to make it taste perfect without going too far and ruining it. And that's for me, how this, how these lyrics um, happen. And, and, you know, we're approaching Valentine's day here in the United States. I don't know if anybody else celebrates that, but uh, this record has two of my favorite songs about Pearl Jam, uh, about, about love by Pearl Jam on it. And this is one of them. And I think um, it's just a, you mentioned it. It was hard to kind of get into because you wouldn't, you weren't sure what the level of schmaltz really was. Right. It felt like they were trying to do something that they didn't have to try to do. But like so many other songs, when you dive deep into the lyrics and, and remove all the other filters and everything else, you find that the words themselves are actually pretty well done. And they're pretty they're heartfelt. Yeah. They're heartfelt. They're profound. They hit something that, that we've all felt in not so cheesy in a way that makes us go, ah, 
that's insincere. No, it, it's it's true. Um, hell, you when you when you love somebody so much, you hold them in the highest esteem. You hold them above everything else, and and when you really focus in on them and just tunnel vision them, everything, all the fear, it does go away. So I think you know people will joke about this song or or make snide remarks sometimes about the song. Listen, man, if you if you dive into these lyrics, really. It's a really well done song. It's got a 12 string guitar in it. That's always awesome. It's got a great solo. It's got cool uh, outro vocal harmonies. Listen, I'm a fan. I'm a fan. And I understand why it was a single. And um, yeah, that's all I got. Well said, my friend. Well, thank you. Let's go to our live cut of the week. Ready? of the week for sirens obviously lightning bolt tour what do you got for me uh, we're going to hartford you know this place yay hartford <laughs> hometown yay hartford connecticut october 25th 2013 hear the sirens Hear the sirens, hear the circus so profound.
So I'm curious what you thought about this one. I, I well, a couple of things that I noticed about this this show and this cut. Um, Stone's guitar plays really nice with Ed in the verses. I think that's paramount because Mike is really setting the tone with the twelve string. He plays the twelve string throughout two thirds of the song until the end of the bridge, and then uh, one is handed to Ed right before the solo, or I'm sorry, right after the solo. Uh, the but the biggest thing for me is that Ed hits all the notes. This is yeah. a tough song and that, for him that to, to sing. To me, was the the defining factor of this. So we agree. Yeah, yeah. it was it, when you heard the studio version, you go, "Oh, he's going falsetto." I have to, yeah, I exactly. I was live. I was thinking, uh, "How's this going to play?" Exactly. How is he going to pull this off? And, and sometimes he does it well. Sometimes he doesn't do it so quite so well. But I think that he mostly hit the mark on these. Mm-hmm. And you you add into that a very in sync outro vocal harmony that i mentioned earlier which i think for me is one of the highlights of the song and yes you've you've hit a very good if not the best version of this song in a live context yeah i gotta say man i mean hartford has a tendency to bring it it, it it's i really haven't heard a bootleg from hartford that was disappointing it's a fantastic set a set list across across the board the sound is fantastic the energy the crowd everybody was just committed you know what i mean they were just mm-hmm. committed and, and you could tell how appreciative ed was and and i it just it brings out the best in any band you, you're playing a show and you see people kind of standing around and maybe humming and bobbing their heads and it's like you call it, all right well, well i guess we're just going through the motions tonight you see people that are, are just they know every word and they're singing as a form of communion with you <laughs> It's it's that that's what you're looking for, and I think that there's something about this performance that 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 the crowd really contributed to why Ed was able to deliver the performance that he does, and I think that brings out the best in the band as well. So just fantastic setlist and show across the board. Highly recommend the boot to anybody who is looking for something that they haven't heard in a bit. And uh, this version of Sirens, for all the reasons uh, in detail that you cited, I think very eloquently sums it up pretty well. Uh, and we mentioned it a few episodes ago, in- incorrectly, that 2008 Pearl, actually, maybe it was last week, 2008 Hartford um, did not have uh, Eruption and Talking About Love. It was 2013. Mm-hmm. So even more reason to get this show. Um, they've played, uh, Pearl Jam has played Hartford six times, 96, 98, 2006, 2008, 2010, 2013. And... I don't. I'm not being biased, but I'm. But I'm saying that every one of those shows has a highlight that every Pearl Jam fan knows of. Yeah, and that's not that's not easy to say about most cities, especially for a city as small as Hartford, getting one almost every tour that's been available to it. So, kudos to that show and um, best. Yeah, best version of Sirens. There you go. All right, gang, that, that's it. Uh, this has been a very long one, and but deservedly so. We, we got to talk to seven lovely people from, mm-hmm. from Australia, and um, I'm going to name them again because they fucking deserve it. Uh, Jason from Hobart, uh, Bev from Sydney, Nikki from Melbourne, Jorge from Sydney as well, Brad from Melbourne, and Vicky from Hobart. Uh, thank you to you guys. Um, that was awesome. I guess it's only six people, actually. That was amazing. And I cannot wait for the next one. I cannot wait for what's it going to be? France, Netherlands, Taiwan, <laughs> uh, 
Argentina. I don't know. Whatever, whatever you got, bring it. We want to we want to talk to you guys and have the same kind of kind of kind of conversations that we had today. So, um, any any closing remarks from you, Paul? No, I, I uh, like I said, just feeling very fortunate tonight. I really enjoy and appreciate the opportunity to to connect with people and to be able to do this with with folks that are in a different hemisphere. I mean, it's, you know, here you and I are putting the kids to bed and get on the horn with these folks. It's three o'clock in the afternoon and a different day. You know, it's like, I mean, kudos it's, uh, to technology. Yeah. Allowing exactly. this to happen. Um, and, um, and a testament to, to the music that helped inspire us to do this in the first place. Absolutely. And uh, we didn't mention it, uh, although it was tipped off by, by Bev there. Earthling is out. And um, Eddie's solo record, it is out uh, as of this taping. We've, re- we've recorded this on Friday the 11th. What does Paul think? What does Jason think? Tune oh. in next week to find out. <laughs> you Look what a segue. What a, a team up. He knocks it out of the park. We will discuss um, Eddie Vedder's new solo record, Earthling. I will tell you out of the one word answer for me, initial reaction, one listen through the entire record. I do. So um, we will talk about Earthling all next week. And until we do, you have been listening to The State of Love and Trust. Love and Trust.